We know that many of our readers like to share their copy of the Church Times with others. That may not be possible at the moment. As an alternative, we're offering a short-term discounted subscription. Just £1 a week for 10 weeks. That includes UK delivery and there's no obligation to renew. You can purchase the subscription for yourself or as a gift for someone else. You'd enjoy all of our usual subscriber benefits, the paper in the post each week, all the news at churchtimes.co.uk, access to the digital archive, the app for iPhone and iPad, and listening to this podcast. To purchase a subscription, go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash 10 hyphen weeks. This week, I'm joined by Karen Gibson, the founder and director of the Kingdom Choir. They sang at the wedding of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, watched by 1.9 billion people. Last week, we published a very powerful and moving article by Karen about her mother's experience of visiting an Anglican church when she came to live in the UK about 50 years ago. Karen, welcome to the Church Times podcast. Really lovely to be here. Could you just tell us, give us a bit of background first, perhaps, about um, when your mother moved to the UK and what sort of prompted her to come and live here? Mm, She came in 1962, so she's part of the Windrush generation, but um, she didn't really come at an invite, so lots of the Windrush folk did, Um, but she came actually as lots of our parents did to make a better life for herself. And the plan was, as many of them would tell you, they would come for five years and then go back home to, you know, make that life that they were hoping for. And, and you write that soon after moving here, um, she looked up churches to attend, having been a regular churchgoer um, before, um, and she found one near to where she lived and, and went along. But w- what was the experience like? Uh, she went along for a few weeks, but um, after a couple of weeks, the vicar made a point of a meeting her at the door and reached out, shook her hand and said, thank you so much for coming, but please, don't come back too often, something like that, because our, our parishioners don't really like it. I think that's something like what he said. And I think it's also fair to say that my mum's experience is not at all unique. Um, this happened to many people of the Windrush era who were coming over and looking for a church. So, yeah, that is what happened. And how did that make her feel? Oh, rejected. Like a, that was a real slap in the face. Very, very disappointing. And I think what it did for many of our older folk is that it made them seek community with each other in churches that they then would set up because they were not welcome in the established church. And, and did your mother go on to, to find a church that was more welcoming in the, a, a parish in the Church of England or was it outside the Church of England? It was outside. It was of the Pentecostal tradition, actually. It's the Church of God of Prophecy. And uh, she was invited there by a woman that she met on a course. And uh, she went there and she's been there ever since. And you, you write in your piece that you, you happen to end up at that particular church quite recently, about 50 years on. I mean, what was it that, that took you there? And, and could you describe what, what happened when you went there? Yeah. So um, at the time I was running a community gospel choir. And as you do, at the end of the series of weeks of rehearsal and meeting and clapping and learning, and you have a concert. And so I didn't have a venue for the concert. And I had met the vicar 
because I would met the vicar before because she herself had wanted to start up a gospel community choir. So we'd met to talk before, but we didn't know each other well. But um, I then contacted her and said that I needed a venue for my own concert. And that's why I was going. I was going to uh, scope out the place, see if it was suitable. So that day that I was going, my mum was visiting. I said, Mum, do you want to come along with me so we get to the place? Normally she sits in the car and just waits for me. I said, do you want to come in? <laughs> I don't know why I said that, actually, because usually she just wants to relax. And she said, okay. And so we make our way into the church. And as we're approaching the church, to my great surprise, she says, this is the church that I came to that turned me away. I was so shocked to hear that because... She'd often told the story, but I never knew what was the venue. And to be fair, the church is a little bit off the track. So it's actually not one that I would see often because it's, it's in the middle of an estate. And so I would pass on the main road all the time, but I'd never go into the estate, just a tiny little estate. I barely knew that the, the, the church was there. So it was a real shock that this would be the place where mum had suffered that grievance all those years ago. And then, and then when you went into the church with your mother, you, you met the present day vicar, is that right? Yes, that's right. A lovely woman. Uh, I think she's in her early 40s, mid 40s. And I'm strolling out. She's in her shorts and sports gear. She has a great big smile. She's got a short blonde bob. Just really welcoming. So we start to talk, you know, you start to make small talk and she just had a lovely light installation uh, uh, put into the church so we're talking about that and as we're talking I happen to mention my mum used to come here many years ago um, and so uh, the vicar gets excited and she looks at my mum and she says really and how was that for you I thought it was a really unusual question to ask because usually people just say oh really that is fantastic but she then went on to ask the question how was that for you? Which I thought was incredibly sensitive and knowing. Anyway, so my mum then just bows her head and just smiles and looks at the floor and doesn't say anything. And the vicar gets a bit quiet. And then she looks at me and I look at her and she says, really, is that what's going on here? And without missing a beat, I honestly don't remember if I told her the story because I was just so shocked at what she did next. She drops to her knees and she makes the most impassioned, most heartfelt apology that I have ever heard. And my mum and I were just so shocked, didn't know what was going on. We just, well, get up, please get up, get up. But she, you know, it's a really powerful moment really unexpected and it felt like something had come full circle that's how it that's how it felt it was a time of redemption and reconciliation and of healing i was wondering about your, your mother's reaction to the apology was it mainly shock really in, in that moment or was she also very moved as, as well um it, we were both shocked um at this beautiful you know, this, this woman really loves Jesus, really got a Jesus heart. It's a thing when you see 
a white woman kneeling at the feet of a black woman. And I think in the moment, we were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I think at the time, we didn't really process what was going on. It was just, it was, it was shocking. It was really shocking. My mum just said, ah, oh, it's okay. It's just one of those things. Because for my mum, that was over, that was about 50 years ago, 50 years prior. And so I'm supposing that she'd gotten over it and was not holding anybody to account, was not holding malice in her heart, was not holding unforgiveness in her heart at all. I think for her, that was just one of the experiences that she'd had when she first came to the, the country. So it was almost like it's, it was par for the course and to be expected. So there were no, you know, big, you know, tears or remonstrations, nothing, nothing like that. She just said, it's, oh, it's fine. It's one of those things. I think she just wanted to brush it off, you know. For me, however, that moment really sat very, very powerfully indeed. Just, just thinking about um, the, the church has recently officially sort of apologised for its institutional racism and pledged to do more to bring about race equality and, and reconciliation. I mean, do you think gestures like this in powerful acts of, of repentance, often perhaps on behalf of pe what people have done in the past, um, do you think that can really make a difference on a, on a bigger scale? I think any action, any kind of reconciliatory action has got to be, got to be parallel with other things. I think, I think to say sorry is huge, but I also do feel that it's got to be backed up by, by change. I think there's going to have to be some conversations had, and I think those are happening. It might be conversations with individuals, it might be conversations with black members of the congregation. It might be conversations between black, so-called black churches and so-called white churches. It, the fact that I'm even saying that is, is just tragic, really. Um, so I, I think it's going to take conversation. I think it's going to take a lot of listening. I think it's going to take some doing. I think it's going to take some handing over, some acknowledgement. And I don't think it's going to happen in a day. It's not going to happen in a month. And it's not going to happen in a year. But it will happen if we are in it for the long haul. And if we are serious about the inequalities between races. I was talking to somebody the other day and they were saying it's such a, a shame, actually, that this incident happened in the church. But... If in society at large, there's a certain way of thinking, a certain way of being, a certain perspective, and there's a certain narrative, there is no reason why it shouldn't actually seep into the church because individuals in the church are part of society. It really does take a sitting down and a, some real open, maybe um, yeah, painful, maybe a little bit messy conversations because often, generally as humans, you know, if we have something that we constantly do, it's our norm. And we don't know that we're doing it. And sometimes 
it takes somebody else to say, do you realise that this is what's happening when you say this or you do that? Do you understand how that made me feel when you said this or that happened? So I think it's going to take a while because there's going to be some deep unearthing and deep digging, some real heartfelt face-to-face -face things to be said. Well, thank you for sharing that story with us. Can I just ask briefly about your, your role as director of the Kingdom Choir and what, what the impact of the, the COVID-19 pandemic has been? We've had a lot of correspondence and articles from choirs and church musicians saying it's been very difficult. So has that been your experience? Of course. Like everybody else, we can't meet. We can't sing together. And I always say, people think that choirs are, is about singing. They think it's about music making. It's actually more about community. This is my experience in, in over 30 years, nearly 40 years of conducting and, and leading choirs. It's more about getting together, it's being with each other. The best choirs will always say, we're more like a family. We are wired for connection and community. We are wired to reach out and touch somebody, to hold, to hug. That is what we are wired for. God bless the inventor of Zoom. Thank you so much. I mean, I'm sure Zoom has saved many a life and mental health of many lives, but it, it's not the same. There's something about what is released in the atmosphere when people are together and singing. So that has been hard, but we have been meeting um, every, every Wednesday, which is our rehearsal day, and that's really good because you get to speak with each other you get to worship, you get to encourage, you get to process with each other. So that has been really helpful. We've also been making lots of virtual videos, lots of music videos. Yes, virtually on our own, in our little home studios, but it, it creates connection. It, it gives us a reason to, to talk and stay together. So that, it's been hard, but we've been doing the best that we can. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Church Times podcast. You can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to the Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more. The music for this podcast was provided by Sought After Sounds. Tune in next Friday for the next episode.